there's only one snack that can make me feel like I'm having the true movie theater experience, and that's popcorn. When my mom and I hang in for a girl's night, we have to get our fix, and that's where Kelly's Killer Popcorn comes in. They're a small batch gourmet popcorn company, and believe me, one bite and you'll be hooked. Made in Austin, Texas, this family-owned business has tons of flavors. My mom loves their salted agave caramel, while I have a hard time picking between black pepper or dill pickle. Hmm, maybe I'll just mix the bags together. Oh, and when my dad and brother crash our girls' night, you know that spicy nacho popcorn is coming out. Every flavor is popped in 100% real butter and is whole grain and gluten-free. Which flavor will you be choosing? Head on over to kellyskillerpopcorn.com to indulge yourself in some scary good gourmet popcorn. And make sure to tag them on Instagram at kellyskillerpopcorn so that they can see what movie you're pairing with their flavors. That's kellyskillerpopcorn.com for American-made, small-batch, delicious popcorn. This is The Gala Show. I'm your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery. On this episode, you may know my guest as Donnie the Bear Jew Donowitz, an advocate for the protection of sharks, or as a filmmaker behind movies such as Cabin Fever, Hostel, and the absolutely delicious Thanksgiving. But here on The Gala Show, I know him as that dude who taught me how to say giallo, Eli Roth. Hi, Eli. Hey, Gala. I think I'm still saying that wrong. You're saying the E. You got to say it like Jello. Like there's only Jello. Re- like Jello. Like yellow. No, but if you were going to eat some Jello, what would you say? I'm going to eat some Jello. Now, if you said the Jello, but you replaced the E with an A, what would you say? I'm going to eat some Jello. Would you say Jalo or Jallo? Well, it's like how my name. Like some people say Gala and some people say Gala. Oh, that's true with, with the uh. So what is But it's Gala. So it's Gala. It's but some gala. people say Gala. So it's like Jallo. So Jallo. Like if you jalo. added the Gallo. <laughs> if you added the Gallo and Ja, it's just a soft G. It's like your name. If your name was Gala, but with a soft G, what would it be? Jalla. Jalla. No, would it be Jala or would it be Jala? <laughs> I guess it's like me saying Rod Steiger. Rod really, Steiger. Really you love it. Rod Steiger. <laughs> I really hit it hard. It's too. If my wife comes back, she can teach us both. Because I guarantee you, in her mind, in her ear, I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's Jalo. Um, you know, I said Versace. Versace. Gianni. Gianni. So learning the soft G is something that's been beaten into submission with me. Well, that's one of my favorite things in uh, Showgirls is uh, Versace. Versace. <laughs> she calls it that. I love it. So before I bring up the topic for today, I have a question for you. What is on your Thanksgiving table this year? Uh, well, actually, we're doing uh, the classic turkey and the apple pie and the cranberry bread. But um, my wife and I built a brick oven pizza. Oh, really? So my brother's she's Italian, kids, right? She's Italian, yeah. So we're, like pizza making is very serious in the house. And we'll make the dough from scratch. And you know, there's Romano. I've learned so much about pizza making. And I think there's a... Real correlation between pizza making and directing horror movies, which really? is something, yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and because everyone asks me like, how much is too much, and I'll I'll talk about that. But so getting the temperature of the water and the flour and the semolina flour and doing Romana pizza versus Neapolitana to me it was always just pizza. Yeah. But now that I've become a pizza snob with the brick oven pizza, um, all the kids, my all the nephews and nieces, everyone's like, it's the best pizza we've ever had. Really? So we're going to have Thanksgiving. We're going to do some like fall harvest Yeah, squash I was going to say, pizzas. are you yeah. also going to do like the day after when there are leftovers? Are you going to be doing like 
turkey and like cranberry sauce pizza, like getting kind of funky with it. I want to try some of that stuff, but really doing like butternut squash with caramelized onion, sage, sage and fennel, a uh, little mozzarella. And then you can also do um, gorgonzola cheese with apple and fig, like those types of flavors where it gets a little bit desserty. Uh, and candied things, but you're you're still doing it in a pizza. Yeah, when I so I'm vegetarian and growing up, like Thanksgiving food was like my least favorite. It was like my least favorite holiday, my least favorite food to eat. And it's like, what are we eating? I'm eating stuffing. I don't eat turkey. <laughs> so it's like, well, what about the the sweet potatoes with all the well, marshmallows? Well, I love I love sweet potatoes, but I don't eat marshmallows because they're gelatin, and I don't eat gelatin because it's cow bone. Right. So That's we a good like point. I literally like growing up, I was like, oh, I don't like this. And then my mom started making lasagna on Thanksgiving, and mm. it was like the greatest thing that ever existed. Of course. Well, everyone's like, I'm vegetarian, because they do eat mozzarella cheese, and they go, Yeah, mm. and I go, mm. Yeah. You might want to look into how you make mozzarella. Yeah, exactly. Because my wife was like, Yeah, you use the rennet. Yeah, there's there's rennet. I was and like, there's non-rennet. Jer- I was like, Jeremy ran it they're like yeah it's like using goat bladder I no was like, i think oh, that, i man, think that's such a good thing it. to bring up no because rennet Pe- you can find cheese without rennet yeah, and you so find cheese you with have, rennet yeah you have to get vegan or vegetarian yeah, vegetarian mozzarella vegetarian mozzarella yeah. because it does the all the cheese you think you're eating in your vegetarian pizza is has using rennet, has yeah. rennet and look google rennet it's just like googling gelatin it's like yeah, when google you find gelatin, out what once it you is. find out it's cow bone it's it's crazy how much stuff has animal that we don't yeah, even realize yeah you don't even realize that's why i think everyone just does their best and just whatever they want to eat they can eat it but i switched to making pot pie recently. oh nice and i make a really good pot pie mm. and we do it with like mashed potatoes mm. and brussels sprouts just watching great british bake show yeah. watching the pie week it's very oh yeah i have the best pie crust recipe so if you want okay, it it's yeah. for sweet and for savory we do it's delicious we i will, love it i'll definitely share that well with you. if you make those pies we'll make a nice uh, vegetarian uh, non-rennet <laughs> pizza for you non-rennet squash pizza i'll take it but first time for a commercial break be vegetarian, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy a good spice rub. My favorite place to get them is Smoked Bros, a veteran-owned and operated business that sells premium handcrafted dry rubs, spice blends, and seasonings. Guys, you can even put it on your popcorn. My favorites are Honey Badger, because he doesn't give a bleep, and Jelly and Peanut Flavor Topping, because mm, 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 some things just taste better together. The website even has recipes, so go check out smokedbros.com to support a veteran-owned and operated business and fill your cabinet with delicious flavor. And we're back. Now, as always, my guest gets to bring their topic to the mic. Eli, why don't you tell us what your topic is and why you decided to choose it? Well, I've been thinking, obviously, a lot about holiday slasher movies and the movies of now and the movies of yesteryear. Um, someone accused me of making dad movies, <laughs> oh dad god. horror. Oh my god, you're making dad horror? Which I thought horror? was very funny. To go from like Mr. Torture Porn to dad horror, I thought that was pretty hilarious. So <laughs> That's like the correct trajectory That's the correct trajectory. It's sort of like making dad jokes. And I'm, you know, <laughs> my 50s now, so I'm comfortable with that term. Um but I, I also think there is such a thing where people, you know, the the Grindhouse trailer was so shocking. And I think that this movie, uh, my Thanksgiving, is a mainstream R-rated film. So it's gory and shocking in other ways. But I think one of the things I want to talk about is too much of a good ingredient. How much is too much? And it's something that I learned while making pizza. 
Oh, really? Uh, I've, I've sort of... It all comes I, back to pizza. It all comes back to pizza. Pizza, the, the connection between pizza and horror movies is something I never really thought about until I came back uh, from shooting Thanksgiving, which was the, the coldest, most insane... Where did we, you shoot? We shot it in Toronto, and it was just a particularly brutal winter. The last time it was that cold was probably Inglorious Bastards. Wow. Shooting that. I mean, it was just zero degrees. Howling. I mean, some days we're scouting, and they're like... It got to minus 40 with the wind. That's crazy. Yeah, the thermometers were breaking. It was that's like my minus nightmare. 20. Everyone who knows you, me knows that's my nightmare. Well, you're just there and you're like, your your eyes are just, you feel like your eyeballs are going to shatter because you, you can't even talk anymore. You, you look like Kenny from South Park. No one can hear anything. You just, and we're scouting the locations going, how can we shoot in this? So it's really, it's really tough. And um, even though that was a Thanksgiving movie, you know, everybody, you don't want everybody wearing a hat in every scene completely bundled up. So the actors, you know, have long underwear, but you're just taking them outside, shooting the scene before their mouths freeze. Um, while I was doing that, my wife um, was kind of setting up our new house in Hollywood and we were building a pizza oven. So I was just looking forward to coming back and learning how to master in the warm pizza making. Los Angeles. In the warm Los Angeles heat. So um, as I'm thawing out, we started making pizzas. And the first thing that I learned is, well, there's different style, the Romana pizza um, and the Nap- Neapolitan. Um, so we're, that's the different temperatures. Neapolitan pizza, they're a little bit puffier. The Romano's a little uh, kind of flatter and crispier. And so we're experimenting with doughs. My wife has a pizza-making books, and she's Italian, so she's showing me how to make the dough from scratch like she did with her grandmother. And so, But one of the things I realized very quickly was that too much of an ingredient ruins the pizza. You know, I'm throwing... All, she's being very sparing with the mozzarella cheese. And I'm American. No, mozzarella. I love it. I was like, there's never enough cheese on the margarita. <laughs> um, and then, so I'm putting all the mozzarella on. And when you put it in the oven on the stone, there's so much water in the mozzarella. It, gets wet. it just, go, it gets wet. And all of a sudden the whole, you, you have the peel, which is the, mm-hmm. the you know, the metal thing you're using to slide the pizza on The big on spatula. And the big spatula and the entire center of your pizza falls out. So you're left with this kind of ring of crust and a little bit of sauce. And now the whole thing's just smoldering on the stones. And you basically have to either flip it into a calzone or just kind of shove it in the fire. And you pull it out. And it's like this sad, soggy ring, like this driving wheel, the steering wheel of pizza. And you're like, what happened? Well, we used too much ingredients. So we're doing a scene, kind of the centerpiece scene of the movie is when we roast the human turkey. Yeah. Now, we have this fantastic actor, Karen Kleesh, who plays Kathleen. And she's so funny and she's so cool. She was in Saw 6, a bunch of films. Um, And so we're doing this scene where we're roasting her. And I had various degrees and stages of makeup. I was like, okay, first we're going to see her. Then she's going to start to smolder. Then she'll blister. And then she'll fully char. And then, you know, she'll look like Tales from the Crypt eventually with like her eyeball hanging out in the teeth. And we shot all of these different makeup things. And it took a long time. Now, this sequence I was so excited about we, Peter Mahaychuk, my production designer, and I, we built this special oven. Milan Khadama, who shot Hostel, my DP, we figured out how we could use heating coils to light it so we could have this beautiful orange glow. Um, and doing the makeup effects, we had a, you know, the, the, the makeup design was done by Adrian Moreau for the film and his wife, Kathy C. But for this particular sequence, uh, we, we had Steve Newburn, who's a, a local t- a Toronto makeup artist, fantastic from Applied Arts. So Steve's doing doing this, <laughs> this makeup on on uh on karen and i'm looking at it up close going this is going to be sick this will be like my signature scene this is like my signature dish of the movie and we shot it and we (laughs) and she's screaming and she's going for it and she's roasting and 
the tag is that we you know we jam a turkey thermometer yeah and the tag is the thermometer pops and i want everyone to applaud the turkey's done so i'm shooting it and the people from the studio are going you know this is this is too much and i'm going you guys are crazy you don't understand my audience this is what horror fans want this is what we want and they're like this is too much like this isn't this isn't fun like this is awful and I'm like, guys, come on! It's a it's a ridiculous scene. It's a, someone's being roasted because we see her later with chef's hats. You know, she's at the table with her feet, and with stuff. her feet up, mm-hmm. with the little chef's hats on it. Like it's a sick death, but it's just crazy enough that they're like, no one has giant ovens that they like roast people to turn them in. You know, we based her beforehand. It's all just slightly right of reality. And so, of course, I shoot everything, and then we showed it to an audience. And and meanwhile, my editor is going. And she's great. Michelle, we had two editors, Michelle Conroy, who cut Cabinet of Curiosities, Michelle Aller, who cut The Nun, uh, and I think Scream 5. And, and they were like, Michelle Aller's like, this is pretty, that footage is, whoa. And I was like, well, what's so bad? She's getting roasted in the oven. It's just blister makeup. And then we showed it to an audience, and it was like silence. People were stunned. And I was like, this is great. I'm like, I can't believe I cut this down. I should have gone farther with it. And people were like, they rejected the movie. Wow. They stopped having fun. They're like, that was cruelty. It was too much? It was too much. And I thought, it wasn't the gore. It's that people didn't want to be in that oven with her anymore. They didn't want to see that happening to that character. And so we pulled it back and down to just like three shots. Mm-hmm. With some heat waves where she's like, because I did this slow push in shot that turned out really beautiful where you see the smoke and she's screaming and going, no. And then we kind of cut away and you think it's over. And then we go back for the one, two, three. And the third one, it's just like the boom. It's like feet, hands, and then and the turkey thing pops. The audience lost their minds. When I cut that down to three shots, everybody cheered and you couldn't even hear what was going on because they were laughing and applauding so hard into the next scene. You know, there's the news report and there were the police station and attack at the parade and all that. So it was one of those things where it really made me think of the pizza. Yeah. As stupid as that is, I was like, man, I put on too much mozzarella. Now, my favorite thing in the world is mozzarella and a margarita pizza and, you know, adding on the basil at the end. And if you put too much of your favorite ingredient, which to me is gore and scares, I was dead certain Everybody was wrong, and I was te- and I told everybody to their face, "You're all crazy. I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me about horror movies. You're not the expert. I'm the expert." Well, let me tell you, everyone else in the room was saying, "You're drunk, dude. That you've had enough." And I'm like, "I'm not drunk. I can handle my liquor." I was drunk, and so it was one of those lessons where you really, the audience will tell you, you've got to listen to the audience. I mean, if you're making a movie for two hundred thousand dollars and mm-hmm. you're making an art film and you're making it personal, I think. Do whatever the hell you want. If you're making a movie, you know, at the budget we did Thanksgiving, which is still low budget, but enough that people are spending real money making it and, you know, someone's going to get hurt if it doesn't make its money back. Um, you got to listen. You've got to really, you know, pay attention to what the audience says. And in that moment, they told me, yeah, this is too much. You you have gone too far. So I thought of like the 30-year-old version of myself that was like, that's all I ever wanted, you know, to be the one that went farther than anyone. You know, I love shocking everybody. To, you know, the 50-year-old version of myself going, yeah, no, I want people to have a good time. People yeah. are paying money. Yeah, people are paying money. So you guys heard it here first. We are going to be talking about how much is too much. So I'm putting 30 minutes on the clock and our time starts now. Girl, I thought we I thought 
like this was part of no the... eli that was your very brief introduction to well, you didn't i i didn't know about the timer thing i forgot about it that's sort of it's all okay. i had to say on the no, subject no it's actually it's not because when we were talking about the differences obviously thanksgiving came from the grindhouse trailer yes and one of the big things that my friends have been asking me and i think you got asked a lot during press is why doesn't it look like the grindhouse? why doesn't it look like grindhouse and does the cheerleader land on a night and it's like well there you go how much is too much like, does the movie really need to look like that? To I me, don't think so. To me, it's all about context. And also, you know, I thought about, you know, me and my best friend, Jeff Rendell, who we talked about mm-hmm. on the show. When we, we had the idea for Thanksgiving when we were 12 years old. That was us growing up in Massachusetts saying, like, you know, wouldn't, why is there no horror movie in November? Why is there no, like, every other holiday was taken. From, yeah, even birthdays for happy birthday to me. For it's happy like... birthday to me, you could put, as, or <laughs> or some event, like prom night. Like, yeah. everything, when there's Mother's Day, even Creepshow has a segment called Father's Day. Yeah, and, and, and they say that every, New like, Year's Evil, and every graduation third day. movie in, like, a in a series is apparently a Christmas movie. Like, apparently there's, like, a bunch of these, like, oh, third like, movies, like, oh, a, a Christmas, Christmas movie. Christmas Vacation, yeah. yeah. So we could, we could do Christmas Thanksgiving um, for Thanksgiving 3. So, but it to us, it was like growing up in Massachusetts where like Thanksgiving is, you know, rammed down your throat. There's mm-hmm. two separate pilgrim recreation vis- really? villages. Oh, yeah. They changed the name, but it was called Plymouth Plantation. And then there's one called Sturbridge Village. They're both still operating. Did you love Thanksgiving growing up? Well, I loved it because I liked the food, but it was kind of like, you know, you'd go to these villages and you'd see them like, here's how we churn the butter. And, they, and we'd say, did you see oh the, you were like, did you see the Celtics game last night? And they're like, what's a television? We don't know what electricity is, young man. And then we're like, we're and you try food. and bust them. We were like the little dickheads going like, man, can you believe the Celtics blew that lead? And he's like, and he's like, and then one would turn around and be like, man, fucking DJ missed the free throw. Like, that was so mad. Or like, Bird should have sank that three-pointer. So the trick was to always get them to like, so be like, okay, how did you get here? Do you have a car? Like, we're those guys. Um, but you, you learn so much about it. And then there's the parade. So Jeff and I would be like, well, what if there's a scene in Thanksgiving when there's someone dressed like a turkey, the parade, they get decapitated, they run around like a turkey with their head cut off. And what if you put someone wow. in a giant oven and you had a human turkey? You had these ideas at 12? At 12. At 12. So when Quentin and Robert, you know, asked me, said, hey, do you want to do a fake trailer? I was like, dude, I already got it. It's Thanksgiving. I have every death figured out. So then we we added a few more things here and there. But basically, we had every Thanksgiving death already. And then after Grindhouse came out, we're like, that was great. We don't even have to make movies anymore. I can just make trailers. (laughs) Why figure out all this plot and story um, when you can just make a fake trailer? You just shoot all the best parts. Now you're done. And everyone feels like they've seen the movie. So, you know, for but for years, people would be like, oh, you got to make Thanksgiving. And, And Jeff and I would be like, well, we we kind of did, but yeah, we, we don't even we already, know what it's about. Did you guys see it? Right, but then it was the viral videos of the Black Friday tramplings that were like, oh, this is that this. Was, there's something there. So when I went to go see Thanksgiving, so by the time this has come out, I did get to see a press screening of it. But I'm also going to, next weekend. So by the time awesome. this comes out, it'll happen. I'm like eight of my friends and I. We all bought tickets, oh, so I we're going that. and Thank we're going to go see it. And uh, but like. I did not watch a trailer for the movie on oh, purpose. That's great. I was like, I'm going to just go in blindly. I, I had seen the trailer in Grindhouse. So I've seen the original Grindhouse trailer. But you didn't watch the but new trailer. But I didn't trailers. watch any of the new trailers. And so I had no clue like where you were going to take it. And when it opens with Black Friday, I was like, hell yeah. This is my least favorite part about the holiday season is that Black Friday is like all month long. And yeah. so the fact that you open with that and just like the contention kind of about Black Friday. Yeah. I loved it. 
I thought it was awesome. Well, once we once we crack that, I was like, now we have not only do we have our inciting incident. Yeah. You know, you always need the inciting. I wanted to follow the conventions of slasher films. I wanted so gross. I wanted to hand crumples. Yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to start with a POV (laughs) shot that identifies where you are and what the holiday is or what you know what the night is. You know, even in the Prowler, they're like. Night of the graduation dance. So I, I, I love that. You know, to blow out starting with the POV yeah. the house, you know, obviously Halloween. Um, so many of those films, you know, even pieces starts with a shot of a house and identifying the title. And then there's the tragedy, then you go a couple, you know, a certain amount of time later and everyone connected to it's getting picked off. So um Black Friday, we thought, you know, it's really about the commercialization of the holiday yeah. and this Christmas shopping that has bled over into this day where you're supposed to be thankful. We're like, with oh, family. I'm, I'm with my family. I'm thankful I have my health. And then cut to you're trampling over someone for a waffle iron, <laughs> trying to kill your neighbor to get the flat screen TV. But I think there's another level underneath it that why do people do that? It's because everyone's wages have been cut to shit. Yeah. Because the overlords, they're so desperate. Own, they're so desperate. They have to get that stuff. It's the only chance they can get it for their kids. Yeah. Everyone has to get their shopping done on Black Friday or they can't afford it. So there's a real sadness underneath, but the sickness in society that the middle class has been wiped out. So people can't just go shopping normally. They have to play these gladiator games for waffle irons. Yeah. So that's what, there's all these different levels there. And that to me is fertile ground for a horror film, especially a slasher film. That gave us the reason to make the movie. Yeah, so that kind of like gave helped us the you. Theme. It was also like the plot. Like, here's the plot. Like, here's the inciting incident, and then we're going to bleed it in because you had your kills already with the Grindhouse trailer. Yeah, and, th- and well, then it sort of freed us up to saying, well, we can use a couple of those things, but the the original intention was never to make it a joke. It was never a Grindhouse mm-hmm. movie. It was always supposed to be a real slasher film because, you know, I remember when I was a kid, when November 1st came, it was the saddest day of the year for me because the rest of the movies... Movies the rest of the year were just going to be family movies and Christmas, Christmas movies. Yeah. And when you're Jewish, Christmas movies don't really mean a lot to you. <laughs> They're kind of boring. So I had oh, to wait Oh, you don't want to see like the coming of Jesus uh, and like the I mean, Christmas, Christmas tree. story we loved, but that was it. I mean, Christmas Charlie Brown, like what else was there? There's kind of nothing. Yeah. Anything that had Christmas in it, I was like, well, I can skip that. It doesn't apply to me. So I was just waiting till January, February. Um for those movies to come around. So like our goal was to fill the November horror drought in the calendar. Cause then silent night, deadly night, unless there was a killer Santa Claus, there was not really going to be anything that interested me. So, you know, in adapting this, you know, the grindhouse within that experience of three and a half hours, the point is like me, Robert, Quentin, Edgar, Rob Zombie, we're all trying to like outdo each other. Everyone's trying to come up with the grossest thing yeah. of like, what is the thing that's the most grindhouse moment of it? And I felt like I did it with a cheerleader, you know, landing on the knife. Because even back then, it was like, what? The MPAA was like, they said, we will give, you you, you can cut, if you take this out of the movie, just remove Thanksgiving and nobody else has to do anything. Really? They said that, yeah. They you, then you won. Robert, you won. Oh, I won. Oh, you the totally won. You won that competition. We, we won the competition. And, and, and Quentin and Robert were like, look, we got to protect the trailer. We can't lose the trailer. Um, but... You know, we 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 kind of took thirty seconds out, but there, like the the MPA first was like, if you just remove Thanksgiving in its entirety, nobody has to cut anything. So th- even and they were then, like, and Quentin and Robert protected me. They're like, no, 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 we can. And so I had to put scratches. I made like full frontal nude, and it was a trick. With she never lands the knife. It's literally a trick of editing. She bounced, and then we stuck the knife up, and I did it together with a splice. So that that's when I learned, like, oh yeah, you don't need a lot. You can the cheapest simplest idea if the idea is insane and that became the corn holder in the ear in thanksgiving yeah and i hate that which is sick it. but it's a it's a reverse shot it's so stupid 
It's like the cheapest idea wins. So yeah, I love when you can trick people doing something that's just so dumb you could have done it when you were 10 years old. And I thought, okay, if we're going to stick the corn holders in her ears, which is just awful and horrible because it's... Especially when the ringing in the ear starts, like with the Yeah, the ringing. It's just the... It's the idea that, you know, the corn holders protect your fingers. With the little smiley smiley face. face. Yeah, I was very big on the smiley (laughs) face. We tried different sizes and different designs. But I was like, we're going to get this and we're just going to reverse it. And then yeah. if you rever- if we if he pulls them away really fast and you reverse the footage he's going to jam them in really fast. But we had to eat the you know whoever's doing it couldn't see so I'm like adjusting the corn and the little fingers and the smile and then Jenna our actress has to act it in reverse. She has to go from like in pain to surprise and then have as he pulls it away because she notices him in the mirror first. So you know I'm trying this and then we stop and then we play it back and we watch it in reverse and everyone's like nope nope. And we're going into overtime and the studio's like, Eli, what are you doing? I'm like, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. And then by like take six or seven, it just all came together. The look on her face and reversing the footage. And, and I knew I was going to add that sound and then the ping, the high pitch ringing. And and it's so satisfying when you like can trick the audience like that and, and get that kind of reaction on something that literally costs nothing. It was just a reverse shot. It was that easy. So like the knife, I thought, you know, it doesn't need to be gory. You just need a sick, crazy idea. Um, and then when you're when you're watching it with an audience, like when we were going to film the cheerleader, I was like, "Man, everyone's going to be expecting this." But is are we doing it because everyone's expecting it? Am I doing it just to prove something? Or to give it to the fans, like, hey, like wink, wink, like wink, you know. wink. But then you know, we we shot, we did it a different way. I, I do a misdirect where we lead everyone to thinking we're going to do that, and then I do something that maybe is even more disturbing or sicker in a different way or acceptable sick. And we showed it to the test audience and the focus group. We said, okay, how many people have seen Grindhouse? I think one person had seen it. And then we asked everyone, what was your favorite kill in the movie? And everyone was like the cheerleader. Yeah, because it, doesn't it was have everyone's to be exactly... favorite well, also kill. Because and for the I thought, people... you know what? It still works. Yeah, for the people that have seen like the trailer for Thanksgiving... They have that kill forever. That's it what exists. I thought. It's These there. people have something else, and you it, can enjoy both. They're you can enjoy both, equal. and that's that's when I realized I was like, any actually, and then there's a couple of things like decapitating the turkey at the parade. Yeah, that was a nice nod too. We, yeah. I love that, and that to me was part of the story. And I thought, well, how can you pull off that kill in the context of well, if you do that in front of a thousand people, you're obviously going to be caught. So I don't want to spoil how we did it, but that's what's fun about that. It's like, well, there's no way this killer is going to attack in broad daylight at a parade. Surely like everyone would just jump in and grab them. And then we're like, Oh no, this is how they did it. Okay. So there was, it was necessary. And then the Turkey is a setup for, it's like a chain reaction of events that happen at the parade that are like more sick. And also there's so much fun gore in the movie Mm -hmm. that I don't think you miss it. Like everyone's like, Oh, that was actually way more disturbing. They kind of forget about it. Oh no, there's, there's that one part with the, with like the Turkey at the table. Yeah. The dinner uh, table at the dinner table. And I was sitting there and I started feeling nauseous to be honest. Oh, that's great. And then I was like, Wait a second. This is Eli Roth. What did I expect? That's like, good. what did that I makes expect? This is an Eli Roth movie. But Carl, you've seen everything. You've I've, seen I've, every single movie, and it still got you. It still got me. It was gross. But then I. It's funny that you said like, how much is too much because when he brought it over to the gentleman yeah, and he was and like, you're going to eat it. it. Yeah. You're going to feed and your it, wife and then to take a bite. And then it didn't happen. I was like, wow, Eli didn't go there. I you totally know, expected you to go there and you didn't go there. Well, the thing is you're, you know, it's the misdirect. It's the dread. That's always worse. And that, I, I learned that, that in hostel, you know, that, that the stuff I didn't film enough of was 
it's the guy selecting the tools and going this, mm, that, uh, not when he's actually like drilling into the people or cutting them up. It's watching the person pick up all the different things going like, should I use a hacksaw? That's what's, that's the tension. That is the tension. That's yeah. what's, you know, the, the, the gore is just the release. So when you have a scene, you know, look, we have two fantastic actors, you know, a whole amazing actors. And, and Rick Hoffman is such a good actor. Oh, he was Little. great. In He's the so good in the scene and playing traumatized. I mean, it's not easy stuff to do. No. And also my, the part that like was the worst for me was when he vomits. Yeah. He wanted to do that. And he, that like, was... the, in the reveal, he sees it's his wife on the table yeah. and he's got it like he throws up. In, and I, and I was gag. so glad you did that because that disgusted me. Like I'm yeah. like, vomit and diarrhea. I'm like, yeah, it's the worst. Like, yeah, get away I know. from me. Like, it's so disgusting. And when you did that, I'm like, because I would have vomited if I saw that. Like if it was my loved one. I totally would have You would have thrown up. It's I wanted those reactions to be real, not where you're like screaming and terror going, oh my God, oh my God. It's just like some people just check out. They go into shock. It's like there's a character whose, you know, girlfriend is killed and he's just, he just, his reaction was the actor just was like sitting there with a dead girlfriend and he just goes, what do I do? What do I do? And that was, that was was an amazing moment. And it was so real. And that was unscripted. He just did that. And it was so perfect. He's such a good actor. And uh, Gabriel Davenport is such a good actor. And you're just like, oh, my God, this is really, this is great. Like, this is because it's real. You're not, like, aware you're in a movie. You're not going, no! You're just kind of sitting there stunned, going, how did this just, it's just, what, what world am I in? Yeah, Wait, like rewind. he tried to take all the precautions, and it's like, tried well, to what do everything. I do now? I do everything, and you just got outsmarted, and you're just like, what, what, what do I do? What do I do? And, like, he's like a helpless child. Yeah. And that's what makes it so painful. It's the... And that's what's great. We are very, very lucky with the cast. But, you know, even in the dinner scene, we had, I mean, Adrian Moreau, we did a thing where he was like, we had the breast, we had the arm got cut off, the Mm -hmm. leg. And so we we were like, okay, the breast is probably too much because someone goes into that kind of gross, pseudo-sexual. I was like, we don't need that. But he should cut off the arm. And he's like, you're a wingman. What if we cut off? And we had a scene where John Carver is slicing off the arm and giving it to another character but I was like, it's sort of off point. It doesn't matter. Like, what is this character's connection to, her. to the woman on the table? That's not his wife. He knows her, but it's not like has any emotional. He's not like they're not, you know, there's no connection between them in the movie other than it being like Jessica's stepmom. So we cut it. And then we put the scene where it's just that. And you were nauseous because it was tied to the story. It was tied to the story. It's and- tied to the story. And it's, it's crazy when you think of all the gore that you shoot. If that gore is not directly tied to the story, it is gratuitous and not good gratuitous, gratuitous in that you're like, it's actually taking away from your big moment, which is this guy is being fed his wife. Did you, is this something you've learned like over your years of directing? It's something I think about in Fulci's Zombie, in Zombie 2 with Zombie vs. Shark. Zombie vs. Shark is the best, one of the best scenes ever in a movie. And there's the zombie underwater, and the shark bites the zombie, and then the zombie bites the shark, and it's a real guy underwater, and it's a real shark, and it's the most spectacular thing ever filmed. It has nothing to do with the plot, and people forget about it. They remember the splinter in the eye. They remember the zombie stuff, but zombie versus shark, you're just like, this is the most spectacular thing anyone has ever put in a movie, but it doesn't really matter because it's not exactly tied to the film. Another example of that is the Bronson film. I watched 10 to Midnight. With Quentin, he got a 35 millimeter print of it, and we loved it. You know, it's like Brad Davis's performance or Gene Davis's performance, and that is so incredible. It feels like where almost where Christian Bale got his American Psycho performance from. It's like a very similar. It's like Patrick Bateman, but from the 80s. Um, 
And I was like, this movie is so good. Why do we kind of not remember it? We remember things about it, but why is it not in the pantheon of Bronson movies that we talk about? And it's like, well, what the fuck does Ten to Midnight have to do with anything? It's not connected. It's just kind of a title. There's nothing that happens at 10 to Midnight. It just sounds like a title of an action movie. It's not tied to the story in any way. It doesn't stick. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you're just like, if they had had a better title that was more connected to the movie, it probably would be remembered better. But when you're just like, what is 10 to Midnight about? Oh, the daughter and then there's a killer and he's attacking girls in a sorority house and Bronson's got to get him. And you're just like, why is it called 10 to Midnight? I don't know. I, I just watched with Quentin um, Two Minute Warning. And so mm-hmm. Two Minute Warning, it's like, well, the whole point that of Two Minute Warning is that like they have at the Two Minute Warning, like that's their go. Yes. And so it's like just really, like that title, it's like, okay, I know why that movie's called you that. You remember it. You, you remember think it. of the title, you're thinking of it. So I, I, again, this all goes back to when the the killer is carving up the woman on a table, I thought it would be like a one, two, three punch. We'll do like, you're an arm. And, and he said like, you know, scuba, Evan's wingman, always there following your leader. Here, this wing's for you. Thomas, you love your consumers. How about, why don't you consume? Tonight you get to be one. Why don't you consume your life? And once we took the wing out, it just cleaned up the logic because people were watching it and they sort of didn't understand what, the killer, like, what's John Carver doing? We get that he's punishing people, but it's like, okay, you come in and boom, you kill someone in such a brutal way in front of their friends. The people are just stunned into silence. We know he means business. He doesn't waste any time. Now the next one. Okay, now you. You're either going to eat your wife or I'm going to kill you. And we're like, whoa, this guy is so brutal. And, you know, we're in the hands of an unstable narrator. This is going to happen. We're gonna, We're certain we're going to see it. And then there's, you know. And then you hold back. And then we hold back. And it, it well, works. Because what's in my mind is worse than what you could have put worse. on screen. And, and I kind of don't, you don't want to see it. There's certain things you kind of want to see, but that you don't want to see. It's just no. like too awful. It's like, ugh, gross. I don't want to see that. You know, That's when someone back? will turn off the movie. Yeah. And you don't want your audience to disengage. People can turn on the film. So, you know, and again, it's not the R rating because you can do it in a way that's not graphic. It's just you want your audience going, what happens next? And I think of it. Like eating, like think of your Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. when you have that, you have your delicious pot pie. Yeah. You've made that pot pie and you're so happy and it's so tasty. And you're just like, well, I made a second one. You're like, oh, I'm going to eat that one too. And you're like, whoa, I just ate two pot pies. All right, it's Thanksgiving. I feel sick. I'm gonna say, and you're like, well, what's that? <laughs> Let me have another. And you eat that third piece and you're like, now I want to throw up. And I never want to eat pot pie ever and again. And I never want to eat ever again. And not only that, I don't want to even look at the meal. I, I'm getting table nauseous. I can't look at food right now. Yeah. I need to go over to the couch and like turn on, you know, <laughs> Love is Blind season six or whatever you're watching. 90 Day Fiance. 90 Day Fiance. Whatever is just going to like decompress <laughs> you from that. And and that's not what you want. You want everyone going, that was delicious. I want the next course. One of the things is because I did not watch any of the trailers of the movie, I wasn't sure exactly what time period this was going to be set in. Like, I wasn't sure if you were going to go, like, kind of classic, like, black, back in time, like, slasher. But you chose to keep it super modern. Like, what was, did you just were like, it's, this is the year 2023? And we're I'm in 2023. Gonna, yeah. I wanted a modern movie. I didn't want to make a throwback movie. Yeah. I didn't want people to think it was set in the 80s. Because I, because I, sometimes that works really great. And other times it's like, you just don't want to do it with and cell phones. And as you said before, also, like, you don't want to make it a joke. No, it's not a joke. It's not and a joke. I, this I, is a horror movie. And also in the writing, you know, Jeff has really did a fantastic job. Oh, the script, script is tight. He's he's great. And and also, you know, he went to Plymouth. He did research. Our friends, we named the cops after our friends, Detective Peter Chu and Deputy Brett LaBelle. And he went to the Cordage Museum and he learned about the 
Cordage Park and all the underground tunnels in Plymouth and like how cell phones work and scramblers and all of that stuff. But also at the same time, you know, when we're writing scenes, I'm sitting down with my friend's kids who are 17 years old mm-hmm. and we're going, okay, how do you use TikTok? You make a viral video. What do you post? How do you do this? Like, like I understand how Instagram works. I understand how social media works. But when we're sitting there and coming up with them, like every single scene that has 18, 19, and 20 year olds, I'm running through it with multiple kids that generation. I go, this is what they need to say. Okay, Scuba likes Yulia. What are you going to say? Like, I'll talk them up. I'll make them look good. They'd say, I'll, I'll gas them up. Great. That's going in the script. I wouldn't have known that. But when you talk to an 18 year old, they're going to tell you that. So, that's cheap. That's not expensive. That's not part of the filmmaking process. That is the work as a writer and as a filmmaker. And I'm genuinely interested in younger people. I want to know how they think. I want to know what they're watching. I want to know how the video works. Like they're, they're getting tagged. What, what is like, if you take the time to sit and talk it through and then you write the script and then you sit down with your cast and you rehearse it again and, and again workshop, and again workshop, and again. Workshop. And we're like, what songs are you listening to? What music? Okay, I'm going to put in Duke Deuce, Crunk is Dead. That's what you're all listening to. Now we're going to have, do you listen to, we're going to throw in 90s Far Side because it's a fun song. And it's good. Like, I like that Evan would know about the Far Side. His character knows that too. He's not only listening to contemporary, you know, hip hop. So it's, and then I can throw in my bands of sorcery and all the, all that fun stuff. But it's, it's in making a movie that's 2023, but we can shoot it with a classic 80s feel. You know, we looked at the movies that we looked at with my DP. Obviously, we watched Mute Witness, mm-hmm. went to a screening of that, which is such great cat and mouse, beautifully photographed slasher film, Scream. You know, we, we the, the, the Prowler. We went to all the quintessential. Yeah, we went to the Prowler. It's a great kind of small town uh, New England look. House by the Cemetery yeah. has such a great fall New England look. Um, you know, I mean, the classics, you know, obviously My Bloody Valentine and Halloween, all those, but also for the diner, you know, I was watching a lot of movies where the diner is like really smoky and dusty. And I was like, I don't want that. That's not the feel. It's a holiday movie. Look at Five Easy Pieces. That's the diner. I go, look at the high school. Look at Porky's. It's such a beautifully shot. It's bright. It's colorful. You feel the life. And I said, look at, uh, you know, Christmas Story. Look at the mm-hmm. fall. I was like, when he's cooking Kathleen, it should be like a beautiful fall it's it's got and the ending dinner scene. Don't make it like dark and creepy. Have it elegant and candlelit. He's showing it off like it should look like a holiday movie. We can still have the girl running through the woods, being case, chased by the killer of the axe. We can go Texas Chainsaw Massacre for that stuff. But I wanted it to be like a kind of like a beautiful, colorful looking film that is a holiday movie that just gets demented and twisted on its ear. We watched Diva, the Bayonex film, mm-hmm. and, and and the 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 actors were like, "What should we watch? Should I watch?" Halloween or Friday the 13th. I said, watch Sorcerer. You had them watch Sorcerer. They all watch Sorcerer. I don't want them complaining. I was yeah. like, look what those actors went through. That's why that movie is good. Wow. They are suffering. And then the, <laughs> they the girls, sure are. And the girls were like, what else should we watch? I said, watch Betty Blue with Beatrice Dahl. I was like, she was 21 when she's acting in those scenes. What's your excuse? That's the level I expect. And they're like, okay, this is great. What, what else should we watch by Bannocks? I said, watch Diva. I go that there are no there are no minor characters for me. Diva is like almost the birth of modern cinema. I could die ch- tie true romance, whether Quentin intended it or not. True romance to Diva. All of those cool characters, the the guy in the bathtub with the girl on the roller skates. That's like Brad Pitt with a honey bear bong. Like all these weird characters that float in and out of that movie. There's no minor characters. It feels like. I remember there was French cinema before Diva that was like the 60s Godard. And then Diva was like, this is a new kind of thing that's happening. Now we're getting, 
delicatessen. Now you're getting Brazil. You're getting Terry God, Gilliam. Delicatessen's like, so gross. It's it's so it's gross. It's so, so cool. But it's one of those dirty movies. It's just but, oh, dirty. such a beautiful film. My God, I love Janae and Carol. Like that movie was like, oh my God. And, and you know, there's there's so many cool films like that from that period. So that's what we wanted. I was like, I don't. And there's another thing that bothers me. People are like, oh, it's a horror film. The characters are idiots. No, I want all the characters to be great. I want them to be smart. And the nice thing is, you can you know have the veteran actors like Patrick Dempsey and Gina Gershon and Rick Hoffman and um, Karen Cleish and you know Tim Dillon, and then the the younger actors like Nell Verlack, who I really think is a discovery. She's like a young Julia Roberts, incredible, and Addison Rae, who's so known for TikTok, but has really been pushing herself as an actor and used the movie as an opportunity to show her range and the new faces like Tommaso Cinelli and Gabriel Davenport and Jenna Warren and Milo Mannheim was known for Disney zombies mm-hmm. and getting to do adult stuff. Now, it was great to have like the people my generation around the 20-year-olds who were just so happy to be there. They were just like blessed. They were like, just like, we're we're, yeah, we're here. We're, we're so we're, happy and to be here. They were, and they would show up on set even when they were not shooting just to watch each other. And that's if, what my dad said about Rules of Attraction, like when he filmed that, that people just like wanted to come hang out on set, and that's when you know that you have a really good movie. Yeah. It's because people are just happy to be there. And you mentioned all these slashers. Okay, so when I'm watching, I'm clearly like, where's Eli's Giallo? <laughs> Well, we have, the straight, we have well, the straight razor Well, you shot, have the fetishized items and you have the black glove killer. I oh, was yeah. like, I know there's a black glove killer We have killer the black glove killer. We're in the killer's lair. You're and starting at like the fetishized yeah, items. I was and- like, okay, it's almost a giallo. Of course, there's the police influence, so it's not. But I was like, he's so close to making a Thanksgiving giallo movie. Like, he's so close. Well, we do go stylized. You know, here's the thing. Like, you, you go to, you know, Yulia's house and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, she's rent, they're doing a remodel in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, that's how I could have that plastic sheeting and incredibly like stylized lighting. And then if you look at the colors of Argento's death and you look at the colors of the oven kill, that is, yeah. you know, goes very orange. It goes very jallo. So, but I didn't want to say we're making a stylized jallo film because there are certain conventions of jallo in being alone in a villa with the rainstorms, the way the sound design is, the footsteps and the, you know, the echoey piazza. Like, I, lo- I love that. <laughs> But I felt like I did that in Hostel 2, and I really wanted to make an American slasher film. I think you succeeded, for sure. Thank you. Do you have a cameo in it, though? Because I know you have a cameo in the original Grindhouse trailer. <sighs> I tried. I was going to be, I was going to get killed in the parade. And so there's a guy walking around on stilts, and that was going to be my death. Cause, really? And we sort of made him you were going to be the stilt like guy? I was going to be stilt guy. And we did, we ran out of time because I was, we had so much trouble doing this gag with the grandfather and the two girls. And that's a crazy gag. It's a crazy gag. That's a crazy gag. gag. And it took us a lot to get and it it's right. it's a shocking gag. It's a shocking gag. It was done practically. Wake up, wake up, wake and, up, wake up, have, wake up. I have two girls being sprayed with wake blood up, going, Grandpa, up, wake up. up. I just love the idea that <laughs> Grandpa's just so brutally massacred. I shouldn't And the be kids laughing, are just but... laughing. What's well, great because they were screaming, screaming, wake up, Grandpa, wake up. Like he went to sleep or something. Like they can't even process what happened those two girls are so funny their name were hannah and charlie story and hannah had been in a vr short that i had done called trick vr treat Uh, yeah and she played the little evil wednesday girl dressed up like wednesday adams she was and then her sister i produced a tv show um that's based on urban legend that Mm -hmm. charlie acted in and a show called the ghost room my life and charlie was a ghost in it she'd acted in both of them so and their parents are so nice and they're they're big fans and the parents like always come to set like they're they're so sweet the whole family and I thought well I can't just put one in I got to put both girls so I dressed them up like pilgrims screaming grandpa grandpa wake up, wake up. Wake up and they were sprayed in blood they were so 
happy. These kids covered in blood, just the biggest smiles. As soon as we yelled cut, they were just come out and taking photos and yippee, taking pictures. They, they loved it. They were, and the parents were like, you have turned them from these shows in this movie. They're like crazy horror fans now. That's amazing. It's awesome. So Eli, what are you thankful for this year? I'm thankful this fucking movie got made. Yeah, it got made. You did it from start. To- I I loved watching you like on Instagram because I'm kind of like getting to see like through what was being posted by like your actors and by you guys. Yeah, they like, put they set up a page called All Will Be Carved where it's them posting their behind the scenes was, and I have no control over it. You have no, you had zero control o- over them posting All Will Be Carved. There's like pictures of me like in the green room <laughs> sleeping, napping on the floor and stuff. All the like, oh, I wouldn't have put that out there, but. They're having so much fun. The social media presence for the movie was very extensive. It was great. Look, you know, you have Addison Rae, who's just like a beast on social. Um, and she would she's very generous. She would make sure that everybody was included. Um, so we had all these kind of fan accounts following. And that, that became part of the fun. I want people, when they go to the movie, to know that everybody was friends. And you can see that the Thanksgiving cast, you know, I get emotional thinking about it. It was like a real group of friends. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Did they know each other before? No, nobody knew each other. And I made sure that like Nell for Lack and Addison Ray got in touch and Jenna and everyone, obviously Addison is such a different level of fame than most people on the planet. And she just went out of her way to make everybody feel everything was great. There was nothing. There was no like separation. She would make sure that she tagged everybody in social media posts so that we all, she kind of used her shine. Her platform, to sh- yeah. Her platform to shine a light on everybody. And so that when they did a TikTok, th- this is how, you. it's great when you're with people that are 20, they're like, they did a TikTok with Gabriel, who plays Scuba, coming out of the pool. They're all we're all staying at this hotel in Hamilton. And they're all like swimming in the pool. Oh my pool. god, you were in Hammytown. We were in Hamilton. Yeah, we're in the Hammer. And they were like, "Oh, uh, Mota, Mota likes you." And I'm like, "What oh, is going hello, on?" Hello, Moto. Yeah, they're like, "That's from Madagascar." I like be. Yeah, I like and so chunky. so it was like Milo and Tommaso or Jalen in the pool, and Gabriel shoves them aside, and yeah. it's like walks over to the girls, and they're like, "Mota, Mota." So they did a TikTok of that. And it went into like 16 or 20 million views, some insane number. Now, if someone had told me the way you are going to market your slasher film is by your cast doing a TikTok in a pool to Madagascar, I would have been like, I don't think that's going to work. I don't know what language you're speaking, but we can, that's it. We let them do it and it worked. And so now when people see the movie, they're already, you know, they already know that everybody are friends. And that is all the time that we have for today. Eli, is there any final thought that you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah, I would like to say thank you because guilting and shaming me into making movies clearly works. <laughs> um, and uh, I hope people go see the movie and enjoy it. And I hope it's worth the wait. I'm going to guilt and shame you into Thanksgiving too. Well, hey, look, if you can guilt and shame everyone and go to see it at the box office, then it's a much easier decision because it's hard to get people to convince, to give you money for a number two if number one doesn't work. Thanksgiving too, there were leftovers. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Eli, for coming on the show. If you'd like to keep up with Eli, you can check out his Instagram at Real Eli Roth. And if you haven't already, make sure to secure your spot at the dinner table by seeing Thanksgiving in theaters. Trust me, it is even better when you share it with your friends. I'm Gala Avery, and this has been The Gala Show. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, from my table to yours. The Gala Show is brought to you by Insertomatic. This episode was executive produced by Roger Avery and produced by Gala Avery. Music composed by Andy Milburn. As always, I'm your host, Gala Avery. 
Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Despite me sharing the same last name with this charity, I don't have any affiliation with it, besides the fact that the issue is very near and dear to my heart. Did you know that in the United States, 2.7 million children currently have a parent in prison, and it's estimated that 10 million children have experienced parental incarceration at some point in their lives? I was one of these kids, and as an adult, I am really grateful to be able to give back to Project Avery. Their mission is to build leadership from within by supporting community through programs such as mentoring and outdoor education, and also to remove the stigma surrounding having a parent that's incarcerated. You don't have to feel alone. If you know a kid who could use these resources or would like to donate money or time to the charity, please go to Project Avery, that's A-V-A-R-Y dot org, to check out what this amazing charity is all about. Again, that's Project Avery dot org. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart.